The bell's already been rung. And they've heard it. about finally having everything you always wanted. Welcome to the DC Film Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast. We discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing in the big and small screen, so we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight. Let's get started. My name is Tim. And I'm Scott, and we are the Squadcast. And we are three this evening because we have our very special patron, Josh Barone, returning once again. He we, he wasn't sick of us. We weren't sick of him. It, it's just he's coming back. Well, I don't think he said he wasn't sick of us, but... Uh, well. I don't want to speak for you, Josh. I mean, I'm, I'm at this point. I'm, I'm, I think I like you guys. You guys are all right. Okay, that's good. We got <laughs> past that milestone. <laughs> Okay. Um, but so, guys, we were supposed to review, you know, with Josh tonight. We're going to review Godzilla from 1954, the original, not the Americanized version, by the way. No, 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 no. no we're no. talking Japanese subtitles. Yeah, we don't do this. Uh, you know, executives come in and rework things. You know, we don't we don't play that game here. Yeah. And unfortunately, there's a lot of, and maybe fortunately, there was a lot of news this week, and we're like, let's go ahead and record and talk about this news. Um, we're still going to do Godzilla. It's just going to be a different episode. Yeah. Sounds great. Yep. <laughs> all right. Well, let's take, let's take this opportunity before we get into all the news this week to remind you we are members of Squadcast Media. That does include DC Comics Squadcast with Chris and Jordan, uh, DC TV Squadcast that for, for the foreseeable future will be Ray and myself, and then we've got Fans Without Borders with Brent and Ray, and of course we also have Marvel Squadcast with Brent and Brock. So all the shows are in our network. Go check them out. Give them a listen. Give them a listen. Even even the ones with Brent. You know, I would say. <laughs> yeah. If you have have to yeah if you have to no we love you brent guys if you would like to help support what we're doing in this network you can go to patreon.com slash squadcast media you know like josh if you're able to support you know we appreciate all that you're able to do to kind of help us along we are a fan supported network we don't do any commercials all the support we get is from you guys uh so uh at a five dollar a month clip you guys get access to uh, an exclusive rss feed of of additional content one of them in particular is, is squadcast movies and just published our 1990 review of the epic the the long awaited Captain America. Uh, you are way overselling this movie. I don't know what you're thinking. It was <laughs> it was a movie that I watched. It, it was definitely a movie that we watched, guys. And you know what? And, and I've always said this, you know, it's we'll just give you a preview. It's it's not a great film. We got it free off YouTube. Let's it, put it that way. <laughs> it's not a great film, but you know, we always um, have a lot of fun conversation about it. And uh, and I think this was no exception. Yeah, because our next one, we will be we actually have it scheduled to record. We will be discussing the director's cut of Electra yes. with Jennifer for Garner. So that's going to be our next review episode. Right around the corner. So we're about ready to record that one. And then uh, we also have on Patreon, we have another show called Fans Without Borders Plus. And you're yes. about ready to review. No, we've reviewed it. You it's have in reviewed the can. it. Okay, yeah. I wasn't able to make it. No, no. But uh, Ray and I reviewed and had a really interesting discussion on Spike Lee's new Netflix film, The 
five bloods. Yeah. Uh, spoiler, my very first Spike Lee movie ever. That's the first one you've ever seen. First one I've ever seen. After our conversation, I have my homework, but yeah, that's the, if you want to know what that conversation is like. Wow. I yes. did not expect that. Okay. Uh, I, I have two or three that are already like, oh. like check, check, ready to go. Okay. But, but the five bloods was my first one. So okay. Very good. That's a review we had. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see it. And then I'll, I'll have to listen to you guys review myself. So, all right. Well, guys, uh, we've got a lot we want to really talk about. We've only got two main topics tonight, but I, I think it's, you know, we're anxious to talk about it. So let's, let's go ahead and get started here. What do you say, Scott and Josh? Yeah, sounds good. I'm ready to roll. Absolutely. So obviously the big topic for this week has been Ray Fisher. Before we get into the statements that Ray Fisher tweeted out this week and the responses that those tweets have generated, I want to call attention to the fact that on June 30th, uh, Juanita Davis posted the second part of her interview with Ray Fisher on her uh, website, The Black Capes. Now, I wanted to pull out some quotes that Ray had in that interview because I found it extremely telling as the conversation progressed this week with his tweets and things that were said by him and by others. So let me let me pluck out some of those, you know, choice quotes. So this this these are Fisher's words. So he said, it was important for me, it's important especially for them as well, talking about Terrio and Snyder, that Cyborg is not just relegated to being the catchphrase spitting, quote, cool black dude. That's not anything that I'm interested in watching. It's definitely not anything I'm interested in portraying. Zach and Chris, they literally empowered me to say, you know what? I don't have to back down if I feel like something is being represented in a way that is not helpful to the culture. I don't have to just be quiet and just do the work. As a black man, number one in Hollywood, it is a very rare thing to offer a person. That's something rare to be offered as a black man in the business or two as a black man that hasn't had any film credits. I'm being treated with the same level of dignity and respect by Zach and Chris as they would treat Ben Affleck. The same level they would treat anybody. Hmm. So there's more, but I just already with what you know is coming. Right. Did you guys want to just um, unpack those quotes? I mean, the first thing is uh, he was very specific about saying he didn't want what his character to be relegated to a catchphrase, trying to be cool. And so obviously we're referring, referring to Booyah. Yes. Yeah. 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 That 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 came up this week. Yeah. So this one and this is the one this is part two or is this from part one? This is all from part two because we discussed part one on our last episode yeah. when we had Steve and Chris and Shiraz on. Right. So this is the so this all is all coming from the part two interview. And so this was actually published on June thirtieth. Yes. And so this interview happened before this, but the day before, that was where Ray Fisher had put out a comment to a Comic Con video, and he says, "I'd like to take a moment to forcefully retract every bit of this statement." Right. And that statement involved things saying like, "Josh is a good guy." Uh, Joss is finishing up Zach's vision. The thing about me watching that video is, and Josh, I'm not sure if you saw this as well, how uncomfortable he looked back in 2017 even saying those words. Unbelievably uncomfortable. Yeah, and not not just him, Momoa next to him too. Yeah. Like, you know, they they just don't look happy anytime they were asked about the reshoots or Joss Whedon at all. And that's not just from the Comic-Con uh, video either. That's from a lot of other interviews that the cast is done together. Yeah, I mean, the body language is just so striking between those two. And as you said, Josh, even Momoa yeah. looked 
looked like he just wanted to burst out of his shell. Stone-faced. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But my God, I mean, I, I my heart was just aching for Ray at that time because you just look at what... You could just see the pain because he's trying to put on the professional face and like team player type of face. But you could see buried behind that facade. Like, I mean, he might be a really good actor, but like you could see that there was a lot more going on underneath, especially once we've got more context that th- that must have been just tearing him up inside. They And, you know, it, it, it could have been also that maybe he he didn't really want to fully hide it you know maybe he did want to show a, a little bit of of um of like give back on how, on how he felt but he couldn't say it with his words so i mean they all do it Zack snyder even did it he's got the he's got the i heart zs shirt on i mean yeah. he's 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 got the shirt on i mean that was that comic-con mm-hmm. yeah and so that act of i'm gonna call it defiance is even more telling i mean the context that we've gotten over the last three years is incredible mm-hmm. and especially you know and, and i'm sure not only the experience of what happened back in november of 2017 you know to not just to seeing what happened to to zach and to chris terrio and to all the people that were involved in you know zach's original vision for justice league all the stuff that's happened since then even even um so much of the awareness that has really uh really come to the forefront the last like two years uh, especially this year i mean his other comment about you know as a black man uh, in Hollywood, it's a very rare thing to offer a person to be given that kind of opportunity. And uh, you could just see that all this stuff was just really finally coming to a point where, you know, he had to say something. And and I know people were like saying all these things. Oh, goes, well, that's NDAs are expired. This has nothing to do with NDAs. You know, he has every right to express himself how he felt about how he was treated. Um, that's a decision that, you know, that he's going to make uh, with or without an NDA in place, because, you know, this is his own personal experience. So, like you, they can't lock that kind of thing down. Well, and that goes directly into the next chunk that I wanted to share from this interview because it speaks to exactly what you were saying, Tim. Because he said, I will say I was, especially after working with Zach and Chris, I was certainly empowered to let them know where I found certain things can be problematic, even after Zach had stepped away from the picture. So I still found myself being sort of a steward of what and how Cyborg would ultimately be viewed, particularly in our community, because you don't really have many black creators working on the project and so you become the de facto steward of just making sure that all of those things are what they need to be at the end of the day I know how all these things go I know how I would feel watching something like this if I were seeing these things that are stereotypical are you having a cyborg screaming catchphrases every two seconds the thing is I know where things can get problematic I know what it is that I as a black man do not appreciate watching right if I'm coming from that place then I can go ahead and better steer the conversation. But you know, sometimes you got to pick and choose your battles to fight. And that's just Hollywood, period. That's not even anything specific to this particular venture or this particular project. Like I said, when you see Zach's version, you know it's a, you'll see. Dang. Yeah. That's some of the most significant things I've seen, you know, just kind of revealed by somebody in in quite a while. Like for him to just come out and like, like he's really trying to help us to understand and what he was feeling with this whole experience. And and we haven't heard the end of this yet either, but it's it's really powerful just kind of reading those words and really kind of parsing through it. You could tell mm-hmm. that it was just so well thought out uh, what he needed to say. The biggest thing for me that I got, especially from that last part, was Zach and Chris gave me the power to shape this character and shape the representation. 
And I didn't give up on that even after Zach left the movie. And I don't feel like he's given up and he still hasn't given up yet. Yeah. And I think that's the point. So the implication being that, you know, he was very much empowered by them as filmmakers with the original vision of the film. And you could see that he was clearly uncomfortable with how his character and his portrayal was being steered once uh, Joss Whedon came in. Yeah. And, you know, he he had his hand like like he said, he he put his own uh, his own thoughts into how this character should be shaped at you know when when you see the end result and you see what joss did he basically stripped all that away from him yeah and so it's when you're working so closely and you want to get something so right and some some person above you says no and retools it to something you exactly what you didn't want it uh yeah i i would feel pretty upset about it too i I think the thing for this for me scott and josh uh i remember like when we knew you know joss was coming in and we knew some of these like little general audience kind of things are going to be thrown in there we were kind of expecting them and and when we knew that you know and we first saw that ray did the whole booyah thing you know we're like okay yeah we knew they were going to do something like this thing but it gives you a whole different context like when he had to go do that line when he actually recorded this thing how angry he must have been about where they're steering us oh watch the watch the gif of him saying it you can it, now that we're actually paying more attention to it look at his face it's like yeah in the film and there's there's a and there's a there's a a, a gif of him saying it that can go around so you don't have to watch the entire movie because who wants to do that <laughs> uh, it's like he's spitting it out like he like he has a bad taste in his mouth when he says it because it's so obviously a reshoot it's so obviously a scene it, it's a scene that was shot just for him to say that phrase which by the way we're because we're gonna get into the i call it the booyah affair uh you know coming soon to a theater near you <laughs> that phrase is not from the comics that phrase was created on the original teen titans animated series from the mid-2000s and has since uh transitioned over into Teen Titans Go and really any any depiction of the character where Carrie Payton, the actor whose voice Cyborg plays the character. That's where it comes from. This is not a comic book thing. This is not a quote comic accuracy thing when it comes to Cyborg must say booyah. Yeah. No, I mean that's the only place I've ever heard it. In fact, I can't think offhand if any of the animated films if we had seen it being used. Uh, the, uh, you know what? I just went back and did you know that rewatch. You know, I, I cannot remember if Shamar more ever said it in like Justice League War or Throne of Atlantis. Uh, he definitely didn't say it in Apocalypse War. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's just not. It, it's it's like saying Superman has to say true justice the American way every freaking time he shows up into anything. It's, yeah, it'd be like trying you know, to shoehorn that into a film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So, anyway. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it's um, and I think the timing of this thing is so interesting because this was published on June 30th. And so and then so let's kind of walk through this thing. And then on the next day. Yes. Wednesday, July 1st, Wednesday, July 1st. Ray Fisher tweeted this out, and it just kind of like, I don't think anyone really saw this kind of a statement coming. I certainly didn't. Um, But I'm just going to go ahead and read what he said. He said, Joss Whedon's onset treatment of the cast and crew of Justice League was gross, abusive, unprofessional, and completely unacceptable. He was enabled in many ways by Jeff Johns and John Berg. And then he says, accountability is greater than entertainment. And that was his statement. That was the statement. And Twitter, win all the Twitter. (laughs) And uh, a a friend of ours that we were chatting with basically kind of made the point about this thing that like there is so much packed into this one statement that he put mm-hmm. you could just kind of parse through it you know first of all talking about
talking about Onset Treatment by Joss Whedon. Cast and crew. Cast and crew, right. Gross, abusive, unprofessional, unacceptable. I mean, you just look at all these very definitive statements and and you get a sense that like he must have been really pouring over his words here and, and, you know, because of his recent interactions, obviously, in this article and just everything else that's kind of been going on behind the scenes. Um, This next one, Enabled by Jeff Johns and John Berg in many Mm -hmm. ways, right? So not only did not only did he completely call out Whedon, which we can talk about the fact that Whedon has had some skeletons in his closets that have been rattling for the past few years. But this is the this is the second time like in this like summer that Jeff Johns has been called out for something about from that era. And then this is actually the first time because I know a lot of people have been wondering what about John Berg and this roped John Berg into the whole situation very directly. Yeah. Um. I I, I will also take this opportunity to say that when Kevin Smith and Mark Bernard uh, talked about this on Fat Man Beyond, they did exactly what you just suggested, Tim, which is they actually they broke it down word by word and what the connotations of each word is in this statement. Yeah, I mean, you want to recap that? Because I thought that was done really well by by Kevin Smith. Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't have like a transcript to go by. I just know that they, they took, they spent about a good 20 to 30 minutes breaking this one tweet down and just talking about what would it mean for something to be, they like, they pointed out it was on set. They pointed out cast and crew. It wasn't just one or the other. It was basically every Everybody And the fact of it was gross, it was abusive. Well, of course, if he was gross and abusive, that would make it unprofessional. And then all of that would be unacceptable. So what is gross? What is abusive? Right. Does he get into what exactly he did that made him uh, say tweet, tweet those words specifically? No. Ray Fisher is not. He relayed whatever he knew that he right. could. Yeah. And, and Kevin Smith would. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, Ray Fisher has not said anything exactly linked to any, each one of those words. Uh, Kevin Smith outlined what he could provide, and he had mm-hmm. some secondhand information, and and he made it very clear, you know, don't report this as news, or, you know, this is basically hearsay, right? You know, hear it from secondhand source that basically mm-hmm. the unprofessional part, uh, he had some context of that, and that was okay. that once they were actually on the set doing the reshoots, and it was it was now Josh Whedon's set, you know, a lot of the people that were there, kind of behind the scenes, uh, you know, had worked on both productions, and uh, and that included some of the special effects. And I can't remember if it's special effects or visual effects. It was vi- it was the VFX guys because it was somebody who had both who had worked on both shoots of Solo and both shoots of Justice League. Right, oh, that's right. Because he was taught because Kevin Smith was talking to him when he was doing his set visit for the Rise of Sky the Rise of Skywalker, and he said this guy worked on both Solo shoots, this guy worked on both Justice League shoots, and so his secondhand information was what this VFX person was telling Kevin. Yeah, and it was basically. You know, there was a lot of very unprofessional comments being made, uh, kind of in a disparaging way towards uh, Zack Snyder. He was bad mouthing Zack on set, on set wow. to the people that were there as part of that production as well. So, nice. just completely, I mean, unprofessional. You know, you could throw any other kind of explicatives at it, but I, that was the context that you know, in in a secondhand nature, that Kevin Smith was able to provide. And then there have been other stories that have been shared online. Uh, you know, you can go and and you can find them, but you know, talking about uh, specifically um, Joss's interactions with Gal Gadot, kind of pointing out how many of those scenes that we've been discovering were body doubles because they wouldn't be on the set at the same time for undisclosed reasons. Or if you go to other shows, 
they'll talk about what they've heard, about what those reasons are. But basically, Gall and Joss, after an uh, incident, would not be in the same room together. Uh, it has been reported for a while that Affleck wanted wanted to get the cast to walk wow. offset. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. So I mean, obviously, all these things are alleged at this point, but you know, but this this stuff is out there. It's it's been talked about. Right, like this is coming from multiple. Yeah. Like we're not just hearing this from one person, or you know, it, it's like we're hearing it from multiple people. And I think Kevin Smith goes into a little bit of this is some stuff that I've heard. Like like it's it's out there. Kevin Smith did two set visits for both during Zach's and Joss's. Or? No, no, no. He was talking to someone who worked. Oh, both. okay. Yeah, he okay. wasn't on the set for this one. It was on the set of Solo. Okay. Oh, Solo. Okay. I no, Sky Skywalker episode nine. Oh. oh, was it episode nine? Okay, yeah. Yes. Okay. The guy he's t- the guy his secondhand information is coming from did Solo. I got you. Did Justice yep. League. Oh, and was okay. Doing Skywalker. I got, you. got you. Got you. Yeah. So. So that stuff's out there. Um. But anyway, I mean, so that such an explosive statement. Well, we we did get comment then. Uh, I think it was later that day, right? It was that afternoon because another thing that I wanted to point out was the fact that Fisher makes this tweet and the telling statement to me was the trades reported it. Hollywood Reporter, Variety, Deadline. Within hours, they all had their own version on their sites. You know what's crazy? I didn't realize it at the time when I had seen the tweet initially uh, and I came home because me and my, my roommate, were we like film so we keep up with stuff. I'm like, oh, did you hear about what Ray tweeted? He's like, oh yeah, and he like basically quoted the tweet to me. I was like, how did you know that? Because he usually doesn't follow these people on social media and he's like, oh, it's everywhere. Yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> wow, that's crazy because usually like it's just a tweet won't like the, yeah, like you said, Scott, the trades won't 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 uh, report on a single tweet, but yeah, they really blew this one up. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and I think to your point, Scott, I mean, that basically tells you that like there's obviously scuttlebutt behind the scenes for yes. them to feel comfortable enough to even report on this. Right, because that's like, dang, like, yeah. obviously they thought this was news and that there was something behind it. Right. Uh, and then Variety got a, got a little nugget later that day. How about you? <laughs> you shared that? Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was the thing. So like, they were the only ones that kind of get any kind of comment from, you know, they didn't get anything from Warner Brothers, nothing from Jeff Johns. Uh, but Variety did get a comment from producer John Burke, of course, one of the people that was mentioned in the tweet. And what Burke told Variety was, quote, this is categorically untrue that we enabled any unprofessional behavior. No, I love that. They, he didn't deny that the behavior happened. He <laughs> yeah. just denied he that just, they enabled yeah, it. Enabled it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but he, he also didn't really do anything to stop it either. So Exactly. Well, that's and that's yeah. enabling, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's a form, yeah. Yeah. So that that's very notable. Uh, continued on to say that I remember Ray Fisher being upset that we wanted him to say Booyah, which is a well-known saying of Cyborg in the animated series, Berg added. So he's just basically trying to say like, well, he's upset because we wanted to make him say Booyah. Well, clearly this must have been a thing because Ray Fisher alluded to it. John Burke talked about it. But this has got to be one of the dumbest <laughs> responses and quotes I've ever heard in my entire life to something so substantially important and uh, meaningful being put out there. You know, obviously Ray's, you know, really going out on a limb here trying to say, hey, this is, you know, this thing affected me. These are these are things that happened and I need to get it off my chest. And for somebody to just come in with a quote like this, like it, it's it's epically stupid. It, it shows how, how he really just wasn't paying attention at all. No, <laughs> no, it's it's the, the whole, you know, it goes back to the old saying, like somebody's not reading a room. <laughs> Read yeah. the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we get that little nugget. The next day on Thursday, July 2nd, actress Karen Bryson, who played Eleanor Stone and was completely cut out of the movie, retweets, 
quote tweets Ray's tweet and says, this guy's this, with a finger pointing down at Ray's tweet, tags Ray in it, and adds three black hearts after it. Yeah, I mean, somebody else that was clearly affected, (laughs) you know? Such an important story being told, and, like, I mean, there's multiple people that were affected by all this, you know? And so I was glad to see some support from Karen on that. The very next day, Ray Fisher came out and just quoted this in a tweet. He says, I believe Kai Cole and Charisma Carpenter. And if you don't know who Kai Cole is, well, that is Joss Whedon's ex-wife. Who torched him three <laughs> years ago in an it's called a guest blog i'd basically call it an open letter on the rap from august of 2017 and threw all of this stuff out there especially dating back to the the buffy and angel days from the you know the mid to late 90s yeah i mean let, let me see what what is i mean okay this is this is some stuff that that we that tim pulled out of the blog itself i mean it's it's long i mean i remember reading it three years ago because this is right before the theatrical cut of Jessily came out. It said, this is what Kai wrote. I believed, everyone believed, that he was one of the good guys, committed to fighting for women's rights, committed to our marriage and to the women he worked with. But I now see how he used his relationship with me as a shield, both during and after our marriage, so no one would question his relationships with other women or scrutinize his writing as anything other than feminist. Fifteen years later, when he was done with our marriage and finally ready to tell the truth he wrote me quote when i was running buffy i was surrounded by beautiful needy aggressive young women it felt like i had a disease like something from a greek myth suddenly i am a powerful producer and the world is laid out at my feet and i can't touch it unquote but he did touch it he said he understood quote i would have to lie or conceal some part of the truth for the rest of my life unquote but he did it anyway hoping that first affair would quote be enough and that then we can move on and outlast it so yeah I mean, so Ray is given his full support to the things that she had to say in that article. Yeah. And then I'll fill in the other half. I mean, and guys, full disclosure, I watched Buffy. I watched Angel. I watched Firefly. You know, I, I, I was a fan of all of his, of all of his work at that point. And Charisma Carpenter was the actress who played Cordelia, you know, the, the cheerleader on uh, Buffy and later on Angel. And the accusation that's been out about Charisma Carpenter is she became pregnant during the filming of season four or leading into season four of Angel, season three or season four. And the accusation is, is that for some reason, this upset Joss greatly and his reaction was to write a storyline for the character of Cordelia where she gets impregnated by a demon. It puts her in a coma, which wrote her off of the show. And then when they brought her back for the 100th episode in season five, killed her character off. Yeah. I mean, there's some ugly stuff that's starting to come to light here, isn't it? <laughs> It's 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 just really heavy. It's just um yeah. I just, I don't know. <laughs> well, and you know the thing about this thing, like when these things happen, like I I remember even reading that article way back when uh, from from Kai Cole. I mean, you read these things and you're like, it, it's it's difficult because you don't really know what to make of it, you know? Because especially when it comes to some of these things, like it, it's so difficult to kind of really sort through and know exactly, you know, is this the whole story? Is this just is this right. a convenient part of the story? Like it's it's yeah. hard as somebody from our end to kind of sit back there and look at these things and and the thing is now it's like when you when you definitely get much more of these things all coalesced together you know you can no longer say that it's just all smoke and or maybe it's just a onesie and a twosie it's like there's a pattern there yeah and and i and i think that's you know that's that's where you're able to kind of start taking these things and and be able to like read these things in a whole different light now well 
Well, and also the fact that it's not like these stories are new. And, and I'm telling you stories that have been around for at least three to four years. I know that a lot of it, you know, with when, because, you know, Age of Ultron had a troubled production. And you notice that Joss Whedon, now like that was the end of the relationship between yeah. Joss Whedon and Marvel. Like after that, the Russo brothers got the Avengers movies. So, you know, you can, you can speculate that there's stories there. And so it just kind of becomes, there's a pattern here. And Ray is finally just saying enough is enough. Let's, you know, fling the curtains open because it just, it can appear based on these accusations that this, this has been going on. This has been going on for years, decades, and nothing's happened. It's been allowed to continue. Yeah. And you, you look at his end products too, with, with Age of Ultron, like you said, and, and Justice League, and you can kind of like see the, the inappropriate parts that were in the film like with Flash falling on uh, Wonder Woman's breasts and I think that happens in Age of Ultron also. It does, because yeah. Banner falls on Black Widows, and yeah. actually there's a gag like that in the original Buffy movie. It's like, there's there's these tropes. Yeah, and I I know fans of uh, really don't like Age of Ultron that much, too. I think I remember having a little a little bit of backlash when it came out, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, I think they retcon quite a bit of Age of Ultron a little bit also, with a couple of things. Yeah, I mean, you know, to your point, uh, there, like, there's another one that always really bothered me in Justice League. Uh, the whole thing when, you know, Lois is having that discussion oh, with yeah. Martha. Says, yeah. you know, oh. you're one of the thirstiest women. Or I don't even remember what the quote is exactly, but it's like extremely degrading to take a character, especially, you know, as powerful as Zack Snyder was establishing Lois Lane in these series of films and to just throw a little, you know, gutter joke in there like that. Even before that, where it's the lady on the screen talking about aliens taking her husband. Yeah, That's just stupid like, humor. But hell? for me, it's like it's... It, you know, you had, I go back to the whole Lois thing, like you, what, what Zach was doing with Lois Lane, I mean. She was the key. She yeah. was the key. Not only that, like, I mean, just even go back to uh, Batman v Man Superman. You know, I'm not a lady, I'm a reporter. You know, I mean, just like that kind of persona, a very empowered persona. Yeah. yeah. With, with balls like yours, you belong in here. <laughs> right, right. And exactly. that's, that's funny. <laughs> that's my, yeah. that's my favorite line is when Harry Lennox says that. He's just yeah. like, man, you are really, you're trying to, okay, all right then. <laughs> so you're, you're taking this very powerful, you know, very respectable character, like what he was doing with Lois Lane, and then you have this like little bullshit throwaway line like that. It just it's so aggravating to see it. Same thing with Wonder Woman. You just had Wonder Woman who had this amazing on-screen uh, presence in in Wonder Woman, you know, just prior to this, and you take all that and you just depower the character again by doing some s- stupid gutter joke. And then look at what happened to Ray. His entire story, his entire arc as cyborg, stripped almost everything that's Ray in that movie is a, is reshot because they stripped out his entire story and they and and they throw in the they throw in the the booyah at the end you know they they just gutted his character like they gutted so much of the movie for that two hour runtime after credits so it's it it's just telling and then and then what gets me is the backlash from certain segments of the community 
that are attacking Ray for doing this. And that just, I'll go back to what you said, Tim. Read the room. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, a completely tone death with a lot of these people. So, I mean, you know, part of this when it came out, you're like, okay, who's going to be able to come out and support him? You just don't, you know, you don't know. And, and all these things are always very complicated in a lot of ways because you have people that are in active, they're in active films and relationships with the studio. And it's not always easy for them to come out and, and fully back somebody up like Ray when he does this. And um, it's frustrating as a fan because you would want everybody in the cast to just run out and say, oh yeah, you know, you know, we fully support. You wish that could happen, but like these things never fully happen. And, and the reasons are always very complicated. Well, we know some of them. I mean, it's like you've got, you've got Henry who's been negotiating to still be Superman. You've got Gall who's got the press tour coming up for whenever Wonder Woman 1984 gets released. And Jeff Johns's fingers are all over that. You've got Ezra who's not even on social media. Yeah. And then that kind of leaves you with Momoa and Affleck. Yeah, it really does. Because I mean, there's not, there's really not that many people that would have been part of these reshoots, you know, that would have seen this. I mean, obviously when, uh, you know, when you had the five of them together, I'm not even entirely sure they're all together at the same time. Most of the scenes where they're together, they are like, that's even like pieced together. Yeah. Like their discussion around the mother box is completely spliced together. None of them were in the same room together. Yeah. So yeah, you know, it's, um, it is admittedly frustrating. I wish, I wish, you know, people could be there and just like com- immediately back them up. But you know, it's, you know, if you put yourself in his own, your own position like this, like if, if something like this were happening, you know, for me personally, you know, I would always try to back up my coworkers as much as I can. But at the same time, you, you can, you can understand how scenarios are quite difficult because I mean, I would immediately be thinking like, okay, what's going to happen to me? You know, it, you know, is this, is this something I can do? Is this, is this going to mess up something that I need on a personal level? And it's, it's very frustrating, but that's kind of the reality of it. Well, and you've seen some like, uh, Gaul's body double, uh, who is in a lot of those scenes. She put a, some sort of comment or emoji of support underneath an Instagram post with Ray. Oh yeah. Kind of giving some sort of soft support going, yes. Sure. And you know, the body double, considering that she was there and Gaul wasn't, you know, that would, that would speak to some of that. And you've also got to look at the situation. Let's remember what happened after Justice League. Joss, you know, that whole, oh, Joss is doing a Batgirl movie. That went away. Berg and Johns were removed from their positions as, quote, heads of DC Films and get replaced by Hamada. Johns was eventually completely removed from his leadership position at DC Comics. I mean, they got swept out. Yeah. So you know something because you've got, you know, Warner Brothers didn't comment. Right. Well, yeah, because they don't. <laughs> they One, they don't. And two, all the people who are being accused are no longer employees of the studio. And not just that, uh, back to your earlier point on this, Scott. I mean, all the trades immediately jumped on this, mm-hmm. a, a Twitter post. That tells yes. you that there's there's stuff behind the scenes that they're aware of. Again, with them as well, they have a relationship with their studio. They have a relationship with, you know, being able to be part of that community and be able to get access when they need it. They're running a tightrope as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just I wish it think... was a perfect world, but it's it's just not. It's just unfortunately not. Yeah, I think with the, the trades jumping in on this, I think it shows this isn't the end of uh, of all this. I think there's going to be a, a quite a bit more poured into this. Yeah, well, there's more to come on this story. There's definitely more to come. I, and I know that there was a question that came up about that weird story that Deadline released like an hour or so talking about that Frosty the Snowman movie that, you know, apparently has Momoa in talk. And, and it, 
Did it say Momoa's attack? It said Momoa in talks and made sure to to plug the fact that Berg and Johns and their production companies and Silverman were involved and that, you know, but you notice it was really thrown together. It wasn't a press release from the studio and it was only published by Deadline. You know, so the accusation, I guess it would be the good word, is that this was sent by one of their production companies. Right. To see if if, uh, if Jason was going to say something in regards or speak up about uh, what Ray said or pick a side, really, right? Well, it does feel like that this was their way, you know, because we talked about that really the only two that really are in a position right now are Momoa and Affleck. Right. And you really feel like this was an attempt to, like, clothesline Momoa. Yeah. Yeah. It did feel that way, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, there's, it's just timing wise. You think about what's coming up. You know, we got Justice Con coming up at the end of this month. And, you know, of course, you've got, uh, we've, we've got some of these players that are going to be uh, involved, obviously, you know. Juanita Davis Juanita is going Davis to be on is a in panel uh, at, at Justice Con. So Zack Snyder is going to be in a panel. So, I mean, it's, you've, you've got people that are involved. You've got that event coming up. You've got, you know, DC Fandom the month after. Like, things are starting to happen, and you just kind of feel like either they want to get this all out of the way or, like, you know, get some of the stuff out there before these events, or they're just trying to not <laughs> talk about them leading up to the events. I don't know. It's, uh, but you know how these things go. You know, there there's going to be a continuous drip of information, and I fully expect that's going to happen here. And let's not forget that about an hour before we started recording today on Sunday, that Ray sent out another tweet that said, God bless Kevin Smith. Yeah. Which I think we can all logically infer that he's referring to the breakdown and the time that was devoted on that last Fat Man Beyond episode. Because like I said, they spent about 20, 30 minutes just breaking it down. Right. Mark and Kevin did not shame Ray. They they talked about speaking his truth. And Kevin shared that little tidbit from the VFX artist. So obviously, word got back to Ray. And Ray was showing some support right back today. Well, let's uh, let's move on to a different topic. Yes. <laughs> and this one, this one is... Uh, this one's not over with. That's the deal. No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this one's a lot more on the, the, the fanboy side. That just gets us all excited. All right. So one of the first things that I thought was pretty exciting, on July 4th, <laughs> Independence Day... Zack Snyder tweeted out and verrowed. He said, excited that Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition is now streaming exclusively on HBO Max. And then he posted an awesome image of Nightmare Batman. And it says, of course he's real. He's on HBO Max. Which is great because technically it, it replay. You know, one thing is not only is the Ultimate Edition on HBO Max as of Friday morning, because Deborah even posted about it on Vero on Friday. Uh, it replaced the theatrical cut. The theatrical <laughs> cut is is gone. You can't even watch it on HBO Max if you wanted. No, it doesn't exist <laughs> on HBO Max. They've erased it from existence <laughs> yeah. as far as HBO Max is concerned, which is also important because this is going to be the first time that a that the widest general audience can stream the Ultimate Edition. Without buying it. Right, because right, uh, up to this point, you had to buy it or rent it, yeah. either physically on disc or through iTunes, Voodoo, Amazon. Like, you had to purchase it. Right, and even when it's been on HBO, it was the theatrical 
theatrical release. When it's on TNT, theatrical. Like yeah. it's and when HBO Max first launched, it was the theatrical. But the, but now it's and it's not even a little extra on the yeah. theatrical cut page. It's like yeah. no, we just took the theatrical cut, crumpled <laughs> it up in a ball, threw it away, and replaced it with the ultimate edition. Yep. You kind of get a sense that Zach and Deborah had a little something to do with that. <laughs> you threw a thing. <laughs> You're like, by the way, why are you showing this on your service? Uh-huh. Hey, this is in my movie. Hold I on. would, I would recommend <laughs> you show this. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Deborah even said uh, you can now watch Zach's cut on yeah. HBO Max. That was what what Deborah said on on Vero. I'll be interested to see wh- what Watchmen if if Watchmen is adjusted anytime in the future. Oh, please! I'm waiting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for that. Yeah. Um. So then, of course, anytime that Zach posts things on Vero, people are going. To comment and usually ask questions. And July 4th just happened to be the day where Zach was in a giving mood. <laughs> yes, he was. And um, you put it together a nice little thread on Twitter um, and where you started like cut and pasting or wherever you got people that cut cut and paste. I don't know. And you just started doing a continuous thread of all the questions and answers, uh, which is really yeah. nice. It's a nice way to kind of sort through it because Vero is real difficult to figure out when you see a Zach comment to find exactly what he's commenting on. It takes some work to, to figure that out. And so a lot of people are trying to string that together and then when the people who do post it they're like they'll post like one thing and then so like you'll see like the same thing over and over again on twitter or you'll see people posting different things so i just started so starting about 10 30 in the morning i just started grabbing every question and answer i could find that was different and just said i'm gonna make one continuous thread so you could follow everything so why don't you run us through some of those scott okay well okay so this is only gonna go in the order that i tweeted them out i'm not saying this is the order that they appeared. This is just the order that I grabbed them. So Jad Balani, I'm I'm so, I apologize, uh, wrote, assuming that your cut of Justice League somehow got released back in 2017, how different would it have been from the one that we were getting, going to see in 2021? I mean, have you made certain compromises in order to release your cut or are we going to see it exactly like you intended it to be? Snyder replied, no compromise with a flex emoji and then followed up and said 2017 all compromise yeah (laughs) which we've actually talked about that before that in a weird way and it feels weird to say this considering that all of the personal issues that Snyder's had to go through the last three years as far as the film is concerned with the way events played out we're getting the best version next year on HBO Max yeah I think we're getting what he always wanted to do from the from when uh, <clears throat> he was making Batman vs Superman and the nightmare scene and all that stuff. Well, and, and even then, I mean, we've never fully gotten exactly what he wanted to do. Right. But certainly, you know, the the two fourteen was always a compromise. Yeah. And it was a means to an end, as we've said here. You know, nobody should care about the two fourteen anymore because we're gonna get we're gonna get something even better. Yeah, we're getting way better. Uh, to kind of carry on, go to your next one. Uh, this was a question from BVS was good. Hey boss, want to break Twitter and confirm? Steppenwolf has his original design in your Justice League and he responds uh, is that not well known? Oh talk about the ultimate like like flex comment. What? Yeah. Did, you didn't know that? You didn't know that? 
that's so awesome man that's gonna make it all so much more seamless and like it's just gonna tie together so well because seeing him uh in that little scene with lex Luthor in the blood or whatever that goop is and you see steppenwolf in the mother boxes and you just get so hyped and then yeah just as he comes out and you're like well this is way different yeah and i think we even talked about at the time like we didn't know if that was a concession that was zach was willing to make at the time we just didn't know you know we didn't know if like he the the final design if that was something like okay i'm not gonna fight this battle if that's what you want you want it more humanoid so be it we, we don't know if that was ever something zach wanted or not but it's pretty clear that like he no he did not want that well and it's also also distinguishing the difference between the 214 and zach snyder's justice league right. that even the photos that we saw that he had leaked you know from mm-hmm. christmas you know with the grail stuff and everything that showed the compromised steppenwolf yeah so so until we got the confirmation that we were getting Zack Snyder's Justice League and that we were going beyond the 214, I mean, we'll cop to saying we didn't think OG Steppenwolf was coming back because yeah. that would have been a ton of work. Well, it all depends on how much money he was going to get. That's that's ultimately it. And apparently he's <laughs> getting enough. He's getting enough to have that redone. So that's fantastic. Because you guys think there were, that means going back and re-rendering Steppenwolf in every scene he's in. Yeah. So then uh, Mindscab asked, one question about the nightmare. Why does Superman have the red and blue suit and not the black one? And Snyder replied, when he succumbs to anti-life, he returns to the red and blue suit, which I <laughs> thought was like, oh, that that's insidious. Yeah. Boy, it makes you wonder if we're ever going to see that final scene where he's ripping open his shirt. Like, where is that actually going to play out in this whole deal? I just don't know. I really feel like that was a compromise. That's what I'm wondering, too. You know, like maybe that scene, you know, because that one was filmed by Zach, and uh, so maybe that's maybe we won't even see that one in this version. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't. I don't think so. I, I feel like that was because that's so. I that that's one of that that nostalgia icon. You know the shirt rip. Yeah. It's like that doesn't. That's that like doesn't... fan service that Zach's not necessarily interested in so much. Mm-mm. And we knew that he that he was going to have to earn his red and blue suit throughout the rest of the arc. Yeah, and maybe that shows up if you know if we if we're lucky enough to continue on the story beyond you know Zack Snyder's Justice League. You know, we'll we'll see if, you know, maybe that scene ends up getting used. But I, I kind of have this feeling it's not going to be used in this. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on, the next one, this is from Yumesh Narayan. Love Bat, love Batfleck. I was wondering where he got the trench coat from. And Zach responded, probably pulled it off some dead guy. So <laughs> <laughs> we've always kind of assumed it was like, you know, Commissioner Gordon or somebody like that. But I don't know. When I when I saw that, I kind of occurred to me. I'm like, well, what if that was like a Clark Kent trench coat? <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying to think, like, he had something very similar that he wore in uh, Batman v Superman. So I, I just tweeted that one out. I'm like, well, what if it's this? You know, I don't know. Wouldn't it be, that would be a typical kind of Zack Snyder thing. Have a little twist. Well, I just think like, he says, ah, oh, probably awesome dead guy. It was way too flippant. It's like, there's there's a story <laughs> no, there. there's a story so there. Maybe someone important died. <laughs> yeah. I know, you right? Know? <laughs> yeah. And for him to even respond to that, like he's, you know, he, he always has a purpose on the ones he responds to. Yes, he does. He, he Zack Snyder is a master at knowing how to tease. So I just, I just imagine him sitting there reading all this he's like all right what am i gonna what am i gonna play with today <laughs> <laughs> oh no oh no i totally feel like he's sitting there going how can i f with them yeah, like, yeah. because he's a showman he's doing all of this because he's giving answers that actually it doesn't hurt anything to give specific answers right and then he's giving answers that just make us go oh what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Uh, the next one, when he was asked about if he was working on VFX, and the response was, uh, F yes, so deep in it. Yeah, that's good. So he's clearly working on it right now, which is good. Nice. It makes me wonder how he's juggling all the, the Army of the Dead stuff and, like, this stuff. And this plus with the pandemic and everything going on right now, too. It's Man, this dude is he's working his butt off. The good directors can do that, though. I mean, Spielberg was shooting Schindler's List while doing right. Post on Jurassic Park. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they can do that. Um, the next one, this was somebody asking, uh, sir, will Jonathan Kent appear one more time in your Justice League movie? And uh, Mick D says, now that's a question. And Zack Snyder responded with a wink. Yeah, the so. wink. <laughs> the I wink. love it. Oh, please it's, give us. It's probably going to make us cry. <laughs> you know it's going to make you cry. And he wouldn't. So Zack Snyder would not post this if it wasn't something he was considering. Yeah. Right? Like, like, he just wouldn't go out of his way to do that. And then... Uh, Priyash Shema uh, uh, asked, it would be awesome to see Come Together playing in the first trailer of Zack Snyder's Justice League. It would bring back the amazing memories before the 2017 disaster. And Zack said, I have something better. Ah, so, it's, awesome. so it's like, oh, we're, we're, <laughs> we're going to be Am I going to play the trailer just to, just to <laughs> listen to the music? Do you realize we are getting a Zack Snyder DC film, like a brand new trailer again here soon? Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> we get a, it's, it's it's like we get to relive this like a second time. You know what I mean? Yep. Because we we were so excited for the first one, and now we're oh, getting yeah. this completely brand new thing. And it's, it's just oh, it's gonna be awesome. It's great to be excited for stuff again. Um, Ohio Dave asked, uh, "We getting the Junkie XL score for Justice League?" <laughs> and Zack Snyder, "F yes." So yeah, and then uh, asked about the dun dun mm-hmm. the Hans Zimmer two piano notes. Of course, is there another? And I'm just sitting there going, <laughs> "That's some awesome." Danny Elfman shade. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Batman only has one theme. Screw you. So does Superman, I guess. <laughs> and you got to remember uh, um, Lex Luthor's theme as well is is the two notes as well. Oh. Yes, they kind of are. like an inversion of the Man of Steel. I remember thing. seeing that in theaters, and that shot is played so well with that music. It's yeah. so good. Oh man, um, Eric Blake asked. There's been some debate over whether or not your Justice League has Lois giving the speech where she says, "Only from the darkness can we truly feel the light," etc. Could you settle for us, sir? In your version of the film, does Amy Adams give that statement? And Zach said, "I don't know what that is." <laughs> oh wow, that's Zach's typical way of like clearly throwing shade. Is like, yeah, that's not me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, hmm, yeah. yeah. What what is that? I don't know what that is. That's yeah. his way of saying that was something in the theatrical cut. The theatrical cut. That I had nothing to do with. Right. All right. Um, Jesus Cuba says, uh, Zach, does Cyborg have a nightmare vision where Superman is destroying the world under Darkseid's authority? Some moments before Clark opens his eyes and flies out of the ship when the League drops the mother box on him. And another wink from Zack Snyder. <laughs> well, and then when I posted that tweet, I just said, we've seen the storyboards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, we have. Yeah, that was March of 18. Yeah. March of 2018. We've seen this. We'd be seeing the storyboards for a while. Yeah. Which really funny because you see the people who comment on these things and you can tell the people who aren't haven't been as deep in this as we have yeah because they're like what's he talking about what's going on and i'm like um <laughs> uh, there's a story <laughs> this is a uh, i love this next one i'm talking about some of the camera work i'm just going to jump on this one go ahead uh, this is from tgc films hey zach is the new aspect ratio of 1.66 expanding from the theatrical's 1.85 ratio making more use of the 35 millimeter negative or will it just be a little more on top but less on the side 
questions? This is a this is a great question because I, I think some people have a misunderstanding when Zach talks about his, his uh when his his ratio that he's going to be using. Yes. And and this here's his response. We'll talk about it for a moment. Uh, Zach says the film was shot in 1.33, so 1.85 was a crop. I'm working on 1.33. So just to make this clear, when we're talking about this thing, when they made a widescreen ratio version of what Zack Snyder had filmed, they had cropped off some of what Zack had intended on the top and bottom. So we never saw that. And so what Zack is saying is that when he's doing this 1.33 ratio, nothing's getting cropped. So you're going to actually get more of these scenes as Zack had originally intended when he filmed it. And that means he's working with the... My understanding is that also means he's working with the original material, like the, the original 35 millimeter film. Oh, okay, yeah. So he's he's got the source because the next question was, uh, is he working with digital or film? And of course, that's a reminder of, no, no, he's... Except for Army of the Dead, he's always shot on film. Yeah, yeah, and, and even if he didn't... And you know, I'm sure whatever they had originally transferred over digitally, like would still have that original aspect ratio somewhere. So yeah, but uh, but the point is, uh, Tim, and I think this is what you bring. Some people are concerned when he talks about the 1.33 that we're going to get because a 1.33 on a widescreen television looks like a four by three tel- old television right. aspect ratio, and we're just saying no. And I think the clarification is, is that no, he's just working with the original uh, source, and then he can get the ratio right for you know broadcast. Right. So the so like just think about it this way if you saw a widescreen version on your screen and you were to cropped out to 1.33 you would definitely be cropping out some of the image on the left and right that's not yeah that's not what's happening he's got the original which has nothing cropped so you're going to get actually more film top and bottom so i'm excited about that yeah i'm, I'm sure zach wouldn't release a film with some messed up uh camera angles and stuff well i mean you certainly you think about it when he's filming like if he knows what his planned aspect ratio is he's going to frame things a certain way in the film and if if they went then went took and what he had filmed and decided to make it 1.85 ratio they've clearly cropped things out that he never intended yeah. to have cropped out or the framing just be awkward yeah right so then uh i love this question uh first of all uh from mossy fh first of all thanks for everything zach i just have one question what did you mean about unite the seven a green lantern is coming with an eyeball emoji and he replied <laughs> with a wink with a Welcome smiling wink with a smiling wink of yeah. course of course it's a green the next one um it's the last one actually is this the last one yeah uh fran alonzo says hey zach is the black suit that appears behind superman in the deleted scene in the scout ship the design for the suit he actually wears and he responds not quite that was done without me trying to use my design but got it a bit wrong so yeah so and that was and that caused a little bit of a confusion as well you if you you know depending on whether you've watched the special features on the blu-ray there's that scene where clark is walking through the scout ship and and he turns away from the black suit and he's looking at the suit that in the theatrical version is going to be the blue and red suit. So apparently the visual effects weren't done on making that suit behind him into the black suit. And Zach's just saying, that's not my, like, obviously they were doing stuff in post to make it the black suit. And he's just saying, that's not my suit. Yeah. That's not the way my black suit's going to look. So even that one will look different. Right. So even that one will look different. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how much different if it's a completely new design or if I don't know. If we don't know. I'm thinking it's uh, my speculation is just that they didn't do the right color correction. Sure. To, yeah. to get the color. I mean, because the colors in that movie were all 
off yeah. anyway. Yeah. yeah. So it's just saying don't look at that black suit and think that that's what black suit Superman's going to look like. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Didn't Zach, was it Zach or who was it that uh, tweeted out something which was a black suit Superman or at least it was a black suit image of the S? I'm trying to remember. Oh, okay. Was that... the, bla- the, the, the S was Henry on Instagram okay. during production. Okay, so that even that one may not even be right. Don't know. Don't know. And, and, and we know that the picture that he did on Vero back kind of leading up to the November event that was just yeah that was a quick little hype thing so so I mean I think ultimately I I think the message out of all this is clearly Zach's gonna get what he wants which is a good thing that's something we've always wanted Uh, it also means that a lot of the stuff that he's even sent out there uh, as little teases kind of leading up to finally getting um, the announcement that he's gonna be able to do his cut on HBO Max even some of that stuff is not gonna be valid you know Scott you spoke specifically uh, about Steppenwolf. I mean, you know, even those images that he teased us and gave us like, you know, uh, something we had never seen, like those are all going to be changed. Yeah. So, so it's exciting. I mean, we're getting a whole new film here. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a whole new animal. Uh, it, it's a Zack Snyder you know, he, film. It's a Zack Snyder film. He, he, he responded a few days ago that we're just getting the tip of the iceberg. He also did, I didn't put it on the thread, but he did, of course, acknowledge that there's another tease coming. Of course there is. Of course. But yeah, we, we've got another tease coming. We, we've seen we've seen Zack Snyder, how savvy he is when it comes to all this. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be getting our occasional teases leading up to this thing. Uh, this, we're going to have some exciting times ahead. I, I'm just like, I haven't felt this for two and a half years. Well, three years, really. Really three years, yeah. Three years. But I I'm willing to put money on the table that Fandom we've got a trailer. I think I think that is easy money. Yeah, and I'm hopeful. You know the fact that um, that he wanted to be part of uh, the fan event uh, Justice Con. Like who knows? You know I I, I would we'll I wouldn't be something. surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if if there was something even with that event. Yeah, can't wait. He needs to this year just needs to end already so I can get everything I've ever wanted next year. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, uh, well, and then uh, some fun stuff happened today on Sunday. Uh, Sean O'Connell, who, of course, is writing or has written because uh, I believe he's got till the end of the month. But I think he says it's done. Uh, his release the Snyder Cut book. He was trying to get his account specifically for the book, which is at RTSC book up to at least 3000 follows. And he said that if I if he could get once he got to 3000 follows, he would release a quote. Well, it was really funny because several of us decided that we took that as a call to arms and at one point he went guys i didn't mean it had to be today but okay (laughs) (laughs) and um it didn't take long i think it was like less than an hour we got him over three thousand follows and then he tweeted this out okay context there are quotes i can't release yet zach asked me to hold until the book and he did not do interviews after the hbo max reveal but around this quote we discuss why henry was part of may 20th why ben and the rest were not and his dream plan for the release the Snyder Cut reveal. And so then he basically took a picture from his computer from the manuscript of a chunk and uh, the subheading is called a vocal minority. And so the paragraph starts to read, weeks after the Snyder Cut reveal, when the fever pitch surrounding the anticipated HBO Max announcement had cooled to a simmer, Snyder reflected on the impact of the day. He still was feeling the emotional reverberations of the release the Snyder Cut's movement's hard-fought win. Quote, I wanted to honor what the fans had created by doing, uh, by trying to do this in a way that would be dramatic.
dramatic or cool. Our intent was just to try and honor what everyone had done by giving them a reveal that was worth the effort, if that was possible. And the truth is, I don't even know if that, as a concept, was possible. Uh, that's the quote. The rest of the of the excerpt that Sean provided said, Snyder understood better than anyone how much time and energy was spent raising and maintaining awareness for the Snyder Cut of Justice League. He had tracked every step of the fierce battle waged by the released Snyder Cut family to convince Warner Brothers to allow Snyder to finish his incomplete vision. He supported their efforts to educate naysayers and back the charitable fundraising campaigns that often were associated with the movement. And he shared what would have been his dream scenario plan for the celebratory Snyder Cut reveal if the world had not been drastically affected by the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. Right. Uh, he then followed it up with a tweet that said, you guys are amazing. My release Snyder Cut family, so proud to be a member. His other segments in the book touch on, among many things, why he left in 2017, how Zack Snyder's Justice League will be different, the rest of May 20th, the quote, toxic fandom label, his use of Vero, and the power of AFSP. Yeah. So, uh, Sean alluded to the fact that, yes, you're going to get the full, complete story of why he left in 2017. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Good closure. Awesome. Definitely looking forward to that one, guys. It'd be pretty cool if um, later on, if HBO Max does like a little special like documentary on, you know, the whole thing. It'd be kind of cool. It would be cool. I don't see that happening because <laughs> no, there's too much in the family. Warner Brothers would have to, <laughs> Warner Brothers have to fess up to so oh, much yeah. shady crap. I didn't think about that. I really do feel like Sean, I'm anticipating Sean's book is as close to that as we're going to get. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely think so. Well, Scott, we didn't think we were going to have news this week. Well, we were wrong. (laughs) (laughs) We were so wrong. bunch of it bunch of it well i i think uh i think that's enough for this episode i would say you know that's it for the show uh we want to thank you guys for listening and josh we want to thank you for joining us again oh no of course i'll come on anytime i'm invited absolutely yeah and uh hope you had a lot of fun this is uh your second appearance and this is with a good mic so we're gonna we'll be able to compare the two i'll, I'll, I'll keep this around <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> all right josh well how about you tell everyone where they can find you uh you can find me on twitter uh at the real j rocker uh vero Joshi uh, B, and uh, that's pretty much it. All right. Well, you can find us on Twitter at DC Film Squadcast. You can find me individually at ScottDC27. Yep. And then you can find me on Twitter at Alan Fire. And you can email the show at DCFilmSquadcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, love to hear your thoughts on us as well. Don't hesitate to reach out. We can also be found on Vero, Facebook, and at our network's website at SquadcastMedia.com. Don't forget that we also have our Patreon at Patreon.com slash SquadcastMedia. We want to take this opportunity to thank all of our patrons like Josh again for their continued support of the network. We really appreciate it. And remember, guys, you've got a Defy Bloods review and an Electra review coming up soon. Yeah. All right. Well, I would say that's it for tonight. We're going to call this one to a close. Again, Josh, thank you. Scott, this has been a pleasure. And to all of our listeners, we would recommend that you go out there and stay in if you can. Wear a mask. Well, you don't need to wear a mask if you're going to be doing this, but, you know, stay in and keep reading some DC. Remember, I wear the mask to protect the ones I love.
John Burke. Okay. Ray Fisher comes out and basically puts his heart on his sleeve, says some things that are... Embarrassing for you and others mentioned. Yes, embarrassing, but also he puts things out there that's going to make it, you know, kind of like almost kind of like put a target on his back when it comes to, you know, the way certain people might look at him in Hollywood. He's not going to do this thing lightly. You know, when he puts his kind of statement out, it's it's a pretty meaningful and important thing. He's, he's saying something that has to be heard. So making the statement that this is all over, making him say booyah, in a movie let's be honest that doesn't reflect poorly on him that makes you look like a complete fool yeah you think you think really think this was all about booyah i'm sorry but this is one of the stupidest things i've ever seen in my entire life so we actually think that for you it's all about this absolutely and since we have josh on here josh we would like you to do the honors we're trying to keep our hands clean of this thing (laughs) oh no i I could get i could get down and dirty we just we can't we can't we're gonna um we're gonna enable josh yes (laughs) here it goes how's this for a booyah We're ultra paranoid about like recording audio and you know we've had our share of yeah. things just had one I've, recently. I've heard the horror story. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Welcome to the DC That was a little bit clipping here. Welcome to the DC th- Welcome to the <laughs> It's yes. without alcohol. B roll. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yep. <laughs>